This is Mission.org. I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. With more than 35 years of experience, Michelle Elrod has seen how the marketing industry has evolved over the years. On this episode of Marketing Trends, she sits down to discuss how she operates as the Executive Vice President and Head of Marketing at Regents Bank and how her marketing team is using artificial intelligence to build an evolving campaign. Plus, she explains how her departments have changed through the years and why their insights and education programs are helping to empower the next wave of consumers. The views expressed in this interview are those of Michelle Elrod and are not representative of Regions Bank. Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. We bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. Here is your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, host of Marketing Trends. And today we have special guest, Michelle, how's it going? It's going great. Thank you. Unusual times, but doing well. And, uh, and coming to us from Alabama, which is always fun. I have spent a little bit of time in, uh, in Alabama as in my stint in the South. So I am, uh, I am familiar and I'm sure the weather is getting uh, a little warm, but uh, uh, in tune for, for a nice Alabama summer there. Well, you know, what they say about Alabama is if you don't like the weather, just stay another day and it'll change. So today it's actually <laughs> cold. It was warm two days ago. Too funny. So we're going to get into a bunch of uh, your background. We're going to talk a lot about AI today and some of the cool stuff that you all are doing um, with AI and how you're using that in in your marketing uh, stack here. Um, But before all that, how did you get into marketing in the first place? Yeah, so it's an interesting story. My uh, grandfather was actually a writer and a publisher of a newspaper way back in the day. So I always thought I was interested in journalism. And I went to one advertising class, fell in love, and never left marketing after that. Uh, The connection the professor made between consumer behavior and advertising and influencing was astounding to me. And I really liked that and wanted to follow up on it. So that was it. I went into marketing from there and have been in marketing ever since. So before your amazing career in banking, what, uh, what were you working on? I actually, when I got out of grad school, wanted to be in something that, where I thought I could make a difference. And I went into mental health marketing. So I worked for one of the largest state mental health hospitals. I worked for a United Way Mental Health Agency. And we developed, I, I developed a radio show, a social center for mentally ill and really tried to work to reduce the stigma of mental health. Great foundation for the rest of my life. Yeah. I'm curious, what were any lessons learned from, from that? Um, yeah, obviously like reducing stigmas is, is extremely critical for that. So I'm curious, like what was, what did marketing look like for that? Well, and that was one of the reasons I actually went into bank marketing was because marketing in that arena is not paid. It's a lot of public relations. It's a lot of meeting with people and getting into uh, free news or free radio shows. It's creating a radio show and pitching it to the public radio, public radio station and asking them to cover it because it's that important. It's 
creating groups for fundraising, et cetera. So not so much paid media as boots on the ground developing strategies where you can get the information you want out and noticed. Yeah, that's so interesting. Any things looking back at that that you've seen how that's changed over the years? I, I would tend to think that probably these days, not-for-profits use a lot more in terms of experiential and actually probably a little bit more marketing than they did when I started that 40 years ago. And so flash forward to today, tell me a little bit about marketing at Regions. And for those who don't know, kind of like explain, um, you know, Regions Bank and, and what, what is the scope of the work? I am the head of marketing and for our bank, what that includes is any customer communications for any business group in any geography. So we handle all of the advertising. We handle all of the direct customer communication. We handle strategies for inbound communication to customers and prospects. We handle all the external strategies for communication. We work very closely with our digital banking group in terms of positioning and brand. We do manage the brand for the company, and we manage uh, bringing our inbound and our outbound strategies together. And so what does your team look like? How do you kind of uh, arrange the team? Um, Is it kind of like traditional marketing functions, uh, or is it a little different? It's somewhat traditional, but what we have done is we have asked people to go um, not only deep, but to go wide. Honestly, within this current environment, that has been very good for us because our people can do what they do very well. So if someone is a great content manager or an advertising manager, they can do that very well, but they can also step outside of that and run the strategy or their program and deal directly with business units. It is So I said it is somewhat traditional. We do have a group that manages all brand and communication. Anything that comes out of the marketing group must go through that group. We have a group that is strategy. They work directly with every business group and anybody in the company, develop those strategies and align them to the business objectives and then come back to the marketing department and work with us on on that. We have marketing operations. We have media and digital and we have experiential. So experiential for us is not only sponsorships, but it's also anything we do around new branches. It's anything we do in the communities. And it is also what we call geography marketing. So taking the business objectives that are important to our company from the top down and building those again from the bottom up. There's specialized from a geography standpoint. So you've been with Regions um, for a number of years now. I'm curious, like, how has marketing changed uh, at the company over the past few years? Yeah, I have been at Regions for 35 years. And I have been, (laughs) (laughs) so quite a few years. And uh, I was in marketing five years prior to that. It has changed a lot. You know, I think originally when I started in marketing, Marketing was a lot of brand, community relations, and advertising. And I think we've gotten past that. I hope we have, because now we have to be in charge of data and customer strategies and understanding those journeys. 
So I think that from a marketing standpoint, the big shift was that we aren't managing just advertising. We're managing marketing strategies that meet business objectives. And we have to be masters of the data and the strategy and the ROI. So the shift has gone from being masters of brand and advertising to to masters of data, strategy, and ROI. I think some of us got there faster than others from what I have seen looking around at different industries and other CMOs. Um, Some people always understood the business objective side of, of marketing and the ROI side, and others were primarily on the brand side. And I, I think that the, the way it's going now, those have to come together. Everything that we do in marketing is an extension of our company and therefore an extension of our business objectives. And we have to be as savvy about our business objectives as we are about marketing. So I think that has been a major change. Yeah, we talk about how your brand is your customer experience now in a way that you know, it just didn't used to be because you could, you could shape it with messaging and, and how people felt about it and all that. I mean, maybe it always has been in your customer experience, but, um, now more than ever, you can actually leverage, uh, you know, the lifeblood of CX, which is, you know, how data shapes your customer experience, how you can, um, gather information about their customers and figure out ways to serve them better. I'm curious, like, how do you look at, um, data and in your customer journey? We started actually a technology and a transformation journey in marketing probably now about five years ago. And the first thing we tackled was data. We had to have clean data, good customer data, and it had to be updated at a minimum daily. So that was the very first and most important thing. We have a very good, clean view of our customers. We manage that, and that is the foundation for everything else we did. Being able to do that and then build upon that technology with new marketing tools, we were able to increase the speed with which we delivered communication to customers, the frequency, which also meant we improved our ROI and the revenue that we produced for the company. That data also gave us the foundation for building a decisioning engine, which we call Rosie, Regions Optimal Solutions Intelligence Engine. And Rosie is a a centralized decisioning engine that uses context, marketing programs, additional data, and puts that together for any inbound interaction. So I would say for us, data is core to everything we do. Technology and automation is a partner with that, but data is core. And that's how we view it. Um, it is the lifeline, really, of everything that we do. I love that it's called, that the acronym is Rosie. Um, that's so great. Uh, and that you have an AI platform named Rosie. Um, I, I, I want to go back to five years ago when you were kind of pitching this to senior leaders and trying to figure out, figure out how to kind of make this decision? Because I'd imagine that, you know, some of uh, the listeners of this show and other CMOs and marketing leaders are trying to have that conversation right now and don't really know how to, uh, you know, convince the leadership team that this is something that A, should like live in marketing or marketing should be a huge part of it, or B, that it's necessary to go beyond the activities that they're currently doing. 
Sure. So when we first started this journey for marketing, we realized that we would have to show all along the way what we called quick wins. So we were fortunate enough to have a very good sponsor. And the sponsor was our biggest client, the head of consumer, the head of the consumer division. So with that sponsor and with our ability to build a phased program where on each phase we showed that we can make a difference. Some in, in the very beginning, it was simply having access to more and better and different data. And that allowed us to do things we hadn't done before. So those were quick wins. And we measured everything we did from an incremental point of view. So we could go back to the, the steering committees heads of the bank and say, look, our ROI on this program is this. Our return on the investment that you gave us is this. And when compared to your general rate of return, it's this much better. So we talked the language of the people who actually were funding the project. We talked measurement, incrementality, and return. So who are the stakeholders in that? I'm curious, like, are you, were you creating this within your marketing org? Like, do you have data scientists that work for you? Or was this something that lived in, you know, IT or, or the technology group? How did that work? Actually, that has evolved also. When we began this project, there were, we had very few analysts. And most of the analysts we worked with were external. Now we have more analysts and we have had them in marketing for a short period of time, but we now have them as a centralized resource. So there are analysts who are committed to marketing and work on marketing, but may also work on other things, which is great because it helps the growth of their career and their knowledge. We do have dedicated analysts to Rosie because that project is so important. And it is nothing but data and analytics and improving that model over and over again. So we do have dedicated analysts to that. You know, I actually asked the question when we first started the, the project of transforming marketing technology and, and data, where, does, where do these things live most often? And I did get the answer, technology sometimes. From my point of view, being close to the customer and understanding what you want to do and have to do within marketing is much more important than the technology piece of that. The technology piece, you're right. Technicians have to figure that out and you must work very closely with them. But the marketing piece has to be brought to the table by people who are very involved in developing those customer strategies and in meeting those business objectives. And that's where we see the most success. As a matter of fact, when we first started the project, it was approached a lot more like a technology project. And once the marketing group and the strategists took over, using those tools properly, we greatly increased the internal rate of return of the project. So what are some of the examples of insights that you could get from Rosie? Well, Rosie is basically a decisioning engine for inbound communication right now. So any customer who comes through any channel within our company goes through Rosie. And in a, in a nanosecond, Rosie can make a decision about the best thing that we should talk to them about. Now, talk to is sometimes by a human, sometimes through uh, an IVR, sometimes on our digital assets. 
So right now we're building out Rosie in our digital assets and replacing a former tool that we had. And the reason we thought that was so important was because we needed an omni-channel experience. Whatever we learned in one channel, we needed to share with the other channels and vice versa. And digital is rich in terms of data of the customer because you understand what they're looking at, where they're going, where they come from. So those were very important assets for us to be able to share across all of our channels. So we've been working very diligently to get Rosie not only in front of our bankers and not only on some of our ancillary channels like IVR, ATMs, but into digital. And we think it's important because actually Rosie has all that information about our customers. So before we put Rosie in, about 20% of the time, we had something relevant to talk to the customer about, something we actually knew was relevant based on the data and based on the analysis we had done on that customer prior. After we put Rosie in, we're now up to about 81%. So on sheer volume alone, she wins. And then when you take Rosie and you continue to build out her models, make her more predictive and allow her to be able to anticipate that's when we get even smarter and we win even greater from that. So what Rosie brings to the table is the ability to simulate so much data, to do it in real time, to be able to present that properly to the customer. And that improves not only timeliness, but relevancy. A lot of people would call that personalization, which is very important. Yeah. So, and I want to get into the personalization piece. I mean, I think that this is, uh, it's, it's a little bit of a buzzword now, but it's only a buzzword because so many people are trying to figure it out. Like it's not actually, you know, a true buzzword. It just is something that is so difficult to imagine these pathways, um, to imagine this type of customer experience that you could really get one-to-one. How do you, um, like, what are the human inputs into this to make sure that you have a one-to-one experience? Are you doing, you know, is your, your marketing team doing work with the customers uh, to refine what they're looking for, to refine these types of experiments? Like how are you looking at the human side and then also the data side of of one-to-one? Sure. So, you know, the customer's actual response to anything we present to them influences what the next best action could or should be. So one of the human elements actually is the customer themselves and how they respond. The other part of that is we do have three strategists assigned to Rosie, and we do have 1.5, the other 2.5 is strange, but 1.5 analysts assigned to Rosie also. And those, those people also work with all of our business groups, understand things that are important to the customer and continue to evolve what we call next best actions. So the human element is, also there anticipating what could be a next best action. Rosie is also used for presenting, for example, if there were a hurricane and we needed to get messages out inbound to our customers about preparedness, et cetera, we can do that through Rosie. So that's a human intervention. We take context around us and we intervene by putting that into Rosie. We take the context the customer gives us in terms of response and allow that to influence Rosie. So there is some human intervention. 
And quite honestly, the models are constantly being evolved by our data analysts who have to understand what we're trying to achieve and work very closely with the strategists assigned to us. Yeah, I mean, well, and and I think, you know, for, for our listeners who are trying to do something like this that need to put the resources into it, right? Like, I'm curious, what are some of those things that you learned throughout this process that maybe surprised you about, you know, setting all this stuff up? Obviously, you know, it's a marathon and not a sprint, but like you said, you wanted to get some of those quick wins. Well, you're exactly right. It is a marathon and not a sprint. And one of the things I learned was, number one, it truly does take a village. So you need technology, business groups, marketing. You need marketing strategists. You need data analysts. So there really is a a village of people who have to be involved. But two, I think most importantly, I learned that where you think you're going today will change tomorrow. So, yeah, we had a five-year plan and we had it mapped out but you learn so much along the way and you learn better ways to think about things or a better methodology for doing something. So I think the second thing is to just be flexible, to make sure that you understand what it is you're trying to do, to keep your eye on what the objective is, but how you're going to get there is going to change and, and, and where you place your priorities is going to change. So I think that was important for us. We spent a lot of time on the technology and the data side the first few years. And then the last couple of years, we spent much more time on organizational change. And it's not that we so drastically transformed how you define a marketing department. But what we tried to do is transform how people think about marketing. And I mentioned to you already that the beauty of that is that our teams can go not only deep, but they can go a little bit wider. So that's important. You know, nobody is just a specialist anymore. They can be a specialist, but they have to understand the why behind everything we're doing, and they have to understand the business behind it. So we did spend some time on organizational change. We um, really worked with our associates to give them input and empower them to define their mission and their value and how they were going to move forward. And I think that's been important. Yeah, I'm curious, like, how does the rest of the team respond to leveraging, you know, AI and data? It seems like you'd have to build a very data-centric culture. Um, and I'm curious, like, was are you hiring for those skill sets? Were you building those skill sets internally? How did you do that? We eventually hired for the skill sets in terms of the data analysts. Yes, and we, we had to. So we did eventually hire for that. We did shift. I think the level of strategist along the way that we had and were working with so that they could understand the beauty of data and how they would use it to define their strategies and to improve their programs. So I do think that was important along the way. Well, and so just building those, you know, skill sets internally, like I'd imagine for a listener that doesn't have a um, a bunch of marketers on their team that, you know, like if you were to take the traditional kind of like brand marketing skill set and say, hey, we want to leverage all of this data and AI. I'd imagine that's scary for a lot of marketers to say like, well, I don't know if we have those skills kind of internally. Um, But once you you have like the data science kind of team built up, like what are the marketing skills that you need to have on your team to be able to leverage this and create one-to-one personalization? 
Yeah, well, I think that regardless, you're going to, if you're using the, using data or not, you want in marketing people who are good critical thinkers and who are inquisitive. So you want that type of person. You don't want, the worst thing you can call anybody on my team is creative. They're not there for creative. They're not there to uh, do pretty. They're there to do what's effective. And so even the people who are producing advertisements use research and data to inform where they should be going, how the messages uh, roll up to the brand, what are the segments and what's important to each of those segments, and they conduct research regularly on that. And then they use testing on the messages. So they test their messages and they see wow, if I change this one word and this one phrase, this is how it scores differently, and this is why that's important. So it doesn't have to be AI. It has to be, I think, an approach that respects science as well as art. And marketing is a science, not just an art. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, it really is. It's funny that you say the piece about creative. I I feel like it's probably the opposite for a lot of teams where, um, and I guess creative could mean a bunch of different things, but, um, you know, finding those outside the box solutions, finding things that can leverage, uh, you know, high yield campaigns. I'm curious, like, what are some campaigns that you've run in your career that you were particularly proud of? You know, I don't know that it gets down to a particular campaign. I will point one out in a minute, but I would say that what we will be particularly proud of is when we can take all of the intelligence that we're using on this inbound centralized decisioning engine, and we can then marry it with everything we're doing outbound. And that's where you get into more of the campaign mentality. And actually, one of the things about our transformation was we we took some of that out and actually built always on marketing for our customers for outbound. So it's not quarterly campaign or monthly campaign, but it's always on and it's running, building off of the data and the response. But the beauty is going to be when we can take all of that and start out front with the customer and use all of that intelligence to be predictive and not start with the product, not start with, the campaign at all, but start with the customer and use that intelligence to build the communication and the sequencing for both inbound and outbound. So that's what I will be most proud of. That's, that's a lot. And we're not there yet, but that's what, that's what we are. That's our vision. I'm actually proud of what we're doing right now in light of COVID-19 and everything that's going on in our communities where people are staying home, where people have lost jobs or have been furloughed, where kids aren't going to school, and that may have been the only hot meal they had. We actually started a campaign that is from one bank to another, and it's from Regions Bank to Food Banks. And we're gifting some of our advertising space and time, and we've developed the commercial to encourage people to give to food banks. And I'm, I'm very proud of that. I think that that's where a company and a brand and our bank and our bank's values come to life is when you are faced with 
adversity and how do you step up to it and how do you take marketing and use it to show that in a way that's very authentic. Wow, that's really exciting. And um, yeah, I'm curious, like how how are you looking at this from uh, a leader perspective of, of navigating, you know, during a crisis? So aside from that, we have, we are all working remotely now, which has been a great experience and a learning experience for me because I have never worked remotely. And I, I do have people on my teams who do, and most all of them do from one time to another. But now we are full-time remote workers, and that's been interesting. We have really learned about our strengths, and we've really learned how to streamline processes. And one of the things that we're doing right now is I've asked every team lead to think about what did you learn about the company? that is truly valuable and will change the way we talk about ourselves going forward. How can we improve our value prop as a result of what we've learned? How can we improve our processes and marketing? Because look at that, we moved very fast and we didn't move that fast perhaps before. Um, So our processes, our way of working and our way of sharing work and our approach to remote work. So I do think that as a leader, all of those things are important. And I think one of the other most important things as a leader is to understand it's in times like these that empowerment is most important. And our, our folks are empowered to get the job done, to work directly with the business units, to have a streamlined process and to act. I think those are in a bad situation. Those are really good things that have come out of it because we've learned great things about ourselves and we have learned the questions we should be asking about the future and how we're going to improve that. And we have learned something about our company and the values of our company, how they treated our customers and our associates. We've always had strong values, but we saw them come to life. And it's going to be our goal as marketers to be able to take that into the next evolution of the brand. Okay, last question before we get into our lightning round here. Um, I'm curious, like, about your content strategy and delivering some of those things. How do you how do you think about content strategy and uh, and delivering insights to customers and prospects? So, when you say content strategy, if I think most broadly, I think of everything we produce. So, from our actual marketing pieces, we think about that. Uh, messaging very strongly, use a lot of research to back that up. But the other side of that content strategy is what advice, guidance, or education as a bank can we bring to the table? And that's our responsibility to bring it to the table. I think when we went through the 2008 recession, if you will, we learned a lot about banking and about our consumers and about their demands. And, I, and for us personally, it changed, it changed the way we go to market and it changed the way we think about content. So we think about content in terms of insights and financial education. We have a very strong financial education program and we can educate from kindergarten through adulthood in financial ed. And we take that very seriously. We produce webinars and seminars and podcasts ourselves. 
so that we can educate different segments. We have actually 16 podcasts on the uh, schedule for our wealth and commercial group. And for example, in this situation with COVID-19, our bankers deliver to small businesses financial education for their employees. It's a benefit for our businesses that we, we bank. Well, that is delivered by a human being, and it's a seminar. Immediately, within the first week of this COVID-19 dilemma in the South, we, we changed those seminars into webinars, and we're able to produce that content for our small businesses and to continue to deliver for those who are still out there working and maybe having even more difficult times financially, so we're able to deliver that. So long way of saying that we look at financial education as the root of our content, and we ask ourselves, you know, what is important to teach someone? What, how do they make a better financial decision? And that's at the heart of our content, because we think that we owe it to our customers and our prospects to deliver content that helps them make the best financial decision for themselves. All right, let's get into our lightning round. These questions are fast and easy, just like marketing with Salesforce. You can go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn all about marketing on the world's number one CRM. That is Salesforce. Salesforce brings marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. Lightning round questions. Michelle, are you ready? I hope so. Number one, what app on your phone is the most fun? My game apps. I love to play games. It's, they're mindless, and they're, they're, that's how I reduce stress, playing games. Do you have a favorite game? Um, I do Solitaire, and I have some others that I don't even know the name of them. I just play them. I love it. I've been uh, getting after a lot of words with friends uh, in the... In the uh... I do that. I do that. I've built a farm or two on my <laughs> apps. So, <laughs> What is your hidden talent or passion? I think I have a passion for uh, mentoring young women. It's important to me that women have the opportunity to get sound advice and guidance and to be able to have someone that will be very direct with them and tell them the truth and, and help teach them about things they may not know. I grew up in a family where my father was a military lifer and my mother went to college when I went to college. So there was no one there to prepare me for corporate America or college. And for me, mentoring is very important to give people, especially young people, someone to talk to who might have had that experience, will help them figure out what they want to do and how they want to do it, which is equally important. I love that. We, uh, we're involved in Women in Revenue. Um, just had a bunch of the awesome folks from that org on, on the podcast and, and always supporting them. Um, and uh, it's just, you know, our audience and the way that kind of this, this podcast can reach people like across the globe. Like I, I just couldn't agree more that, um, you know, having, having mentors, having people that uh, have a similar background to you and stuff is, is so important. So couldn't agree more. What about your favorite TV show or podcast that you're binging right now? Oh, I just finished watching those SBU uh, shows. 
I binged all of them to get them out of the way now because I believe the show's gone off the air. So I just finished those. What about best advice for a first-time head of marketing? Listen. Ask a lot of questions and listen. What question do you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often? I don't think anybody ever asked me about vision. And I'm the type of person who I think vision is extremely important in marketing and uh, making sure that it's not about pushing people, but it's about having that vision for what can be and encouraging people to not stop at what they're doing today, but to reach out for what should be or could be and will be if you keep pushing. So I, I think that's an underrated talent whatever you want to call it i just think it's underrated sometimes in business and in corporate america uh when you think about being a visionary or having vision versus making your goal for today well michelle that's it that's that's all we got any final thing to uh to leave the listeners with i would just say that right now i think it's the best time to be in marketing the very best time for any marketer to be a marketer for their company and the reason is because technology is affordable you can isolate and understand your data and you can prove your value through your return on your investment to your company and it is the very best time to be able to do that for your company so you'll be invaluable couldn't agree more michelle thanks so much take care Marketing Trends Podcast is brought to you by Salesforce. Discover marketing built on the world's number one CRM, Salesforce. Put your customer at the center of every interaction. Automate engagement with each customer and build your marketing strategy around the entire customer journey. Salesforce, we bring marketing and engagement together. Learn more at salesforce.com slash marketing. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, the messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. 
Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.